They have something they've established called the super state strategy for evicting Trump from the White House, flipping the Senate, which I feel not enough people are talking about. Winning key state legislatures and building a lasting culture of grassroots participation and winning elections for the left by doing what they do, which is making it as easy as possible for people, especially young people, but all people, to get involved. Doesn't that sound great? Welcome to Lucky, episode 13 of How We Win. All over the country, ordinary people are doing extraordinary things. We're giving you the tools that you need to jump in and make a difference right now. As my friend Steve says, the best antidote to anxiety is action. On today's episode, one of our favorite actor comedians and man on the street, Billy Eichner. Yay! He's not just one of our favorites because of his great works on Parks and Rec, The Lion King, and Billy on the Street, but also because he's a passionate activist and he has some exciting news to share. Ooh, I can't wait to hear. Then we're going to break more news and let you know about some great additions to Swing Left's strategy to win in 2020. Mm -hmm. It's time to get into action, so we're going to show you where you can make the biggest impact. I'm Steve Pearson. And I'm Mariah Craven. And And this this is How How We Win. Win. I'm excited to announce tonight, for the first time, I'm going to be a special advisor to Swing Left, leading up to 2020. Um, We'll figure out what that means. That was Billy Eichner breaking some exciting news. But before we get into that, how about good old Roger Stone being convicted? Because that's fun to talk about. If you don't know who Roger Stone is, he was the uh, stand-in for the Penguin in the Batman movies. Oh, my gosh. Who has now been convicted. Donald Trump has so many friends who are going to jail. Right? And, like, you talk about feel-good Schachtenfreude. Am I saying that (laughs) right? You know what feels real good is seeing the pictures of Roger Stone wearing the Lock Her Up t-shirts. He was selling that. Back in 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 the run-up to 2016. Yes, and now he is going to get locked up. Bye-bye. I don't like to cheer for people going to jail, but I do like to cheer for him going to jail. Well, justice is really important. And if you want to know just how, not just um, what a character Roger Stone is, but also how embedded he was with the Trump organization and the Trump campaign, uh, there's a great documentary on Netflix about him that gives you the deep dive into it all a lot of it in his own words it's called get me roger stone i haven't seen it thank you for that recommendation by the way this was your new segment documentary recommendations of the week Oh, I, I watch a lot of documentaries, so I've got lots of stuff to, to recommend. Um, and then also last week, speaking of despicable people, Stephen Miller, uh, the architect of Donald Trump's immigration policies, leaked emails. Hey, you know, the guy that we all knew was an alt-right supporter is definitely like in bed with white supremacists. Yeah, he was sharing uh, white supremacist websites and articles with Breitbart and encouraging Mm -hmm. them to publish them. Again, this isn't news that Stephen Miller and his hateful immigration policies and influence over Donald Trump is a straight up racist. But here is some actual straight up white nationalist racism coming from his own texts. Yeah. It's weird that the guy who came up with the Muslim ban. (laughs) Who knew? Like, oh, look at these texts. Look, he's got hateful texts. But, but, you know, all kidding aside, um, he has zero business in our government right now. And Mm -hmm. the fact that there is not an uproar from the Republicans to have him removed from the White House uh, in response to this clear evidence of, you know, white Mm -hmm. nationalism support just speaks volumes to the complicity that the Republicans have with this hateful, fascist, racist administration. Um, One thing that they are opening their mouths and complaining a whole lot about is this impeachment inquiry. And frankly, they're ridiculous and absurd, and they're just so frustrating to watch. You're right. And they're, like you said, they're complaining about it. They're not arguing anything against it. 
they're right. they're saying that like it's secondhand testimony, even though uh, it's not actually secondhand testimony. You literally had Mick Mulvaney in a press conference saying, "Yeah, it was a quid pro quo, mm-hmm. and we do it all the time." You yeah, know? we all saw that. We all saw that, you know, and then they're trying to, we talk about this in previous podcasts, they just try to denigrate these career civil servants and say that they are partisan or Mm -hmm. never Trumpers and all that anytime they step aside, step out. We had Maria Yovanovitch's testimony and during the testimony, Donald Trump tweeted out, saying that she had everywhere she had gone was a disaster mm-hmm. and uh chairman schiff chairman adam schiff mm-hmm. who we just saw at the california convention speaking by the way which got we'll standing ovations yeah. yeah he was awesome he actually read the tweet in real time during her testimony and said that this is witness tampering and intimidation and could be cause for further impeachment charges Yeah. And we talked last week about how this was the sort of first impeachment inquiry of the social media age. And it it came out. You called that. It came out immediately. Like Trump couldn't even like finish out the first week without tweeting about it. And the person that he chose to attack. Right. And, and I'll say the Republicans, you know, would give her lip service before they started in on their on their whining about being shut down. But by the way, the Republicans came up with the rules for all of this that they were actually in violation of back when they were in the majority. I guess it never occurred to them that the blue wave would happen and we would be in the majority one day. Right. But that aside, for him to attack this person who um, walked out of that room to a applause. And then when you watched her testify, you could just feel how hard this all was for her, how upsetting it was to have someone denigrate her work and commitment and call that into question. Yeah. Uh, Wrong move, dude. Wrong move. Um, They don't have any right moves because they're just, you know, guilty as hell. And we have a lot of very damning testimony to come this week. Mm-hmm. Okay, here here are your firsthand people. <laughs> right, okay. exactly. All right, the people who were hearing about things and complaining about things weren't enough. Okay, now let's talk to the people who were actually on the calls. On the phone calls, heard it. You know, I'm really interested in hearing from Fiona Hill, who's yeah. coming up on Thursday. Uh, she's going to have a lot of firsthand information about what... Uh, not only what was going on with Giuliani, but also how John Bolton was reacting to things, which right. I think will be uh, illuminating. Fiona Hill was the former National Security Council mm-hmm. senior director for Europe and Russia. And uh, as you said, she had testified uh, about John Bolton's uh, alarming reaction to Giuliani, uh, where he actually said he wasn't going to get involved in that drug, quote unquote, drug deal. Right. And described him as a hand grenade who's going to blow everyone up. Uh, we talked about Bolton's mustache and how <laughs> it might uh, come into play here. Oh, it has secrets of its own. Also, there was breaking news this week, early uh, on Monday, that Bolton had a private conversation with Donald Trump mm-hmm. to try to convince him to release the aid to the Ukraine and in impress upon him the importance of that aid in fighting the Russian aggression Mm -hmm. uh, to no avail. Hmm. And uh, we're going to find out more about that, too. Now, the Republicans' response to that is going to be, well, the aid got out anyway. Because their, their whole defense of this is, well, Trump failed at what he was trying to do, so he shouldn't be held accountable for it. It's like if I was trying to shoot somebody and I missed them. (laughs) <laughs> and you'd be like, "Well, you, I missed. I didn't really, I didn't really shoot right, someone." Exactly. Oh, 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 okay. Then here, here's your gun back. Go about right, your day. Right. But, um, but you know, it's worth pointing out the aid did come out after it became clear that there was going to be a whistleblower. Exactly. So this is not a oh well the aid came out they got what they needed oh by the way you know it was even more than what you know the Obama administration was willing to give up. So you know that was really frustrating to me when I was watching the testimony last Wednesday because Jim Jordan in his oh my God. in his like just pasty belligerent non-jacket wearing way 
was just ramming this whole thing to Ambassador Taylor. He was just, you know, saying that, you know, you're wrong. You you say you're so right about this, but you're wrong because the aide got there and this. He was like doing this hammering. And Ambassador Taylor, I guess, was being measured or didn't want to like assign blame or anything. The mm-hmm. clear answer to that was the administration already knew about the whistleblower. Right. And the gig was up, so they had to release the aid, and Ukraine was about to go on and announce the investigation also, but literally like the day before, I think, they, they pulled that interview they were going to do with C, uh, CNN, mm-hmm. right, because all of this was breaking. So, like, they right. got caught, so they abort, abort, it's like... Again, you're walking up to a house to break in and the lights switch on and someone peers through the window and you go, oh, wait, we can't break in now. We got to run away. Right? right. That's what happened. Yeah. They ran away. Wow. So um, we'll be following. Uh, we'll be following that really closely. There's going to be so much. And then a little pause. For the holidays. <laughs> Everybody's gonna have so much to talk about Yay! Lovely time. Holidays are coming up, and we do have some things to be hopeful for. Yeah, always. always. We always have things to be hopeful for. So let's talk about our reasons for hope. And uh, number one for me, we were both super busy this weekend, right? Yes. Because it was the California Democratic Convention. Yay. In Long Beach, California, lovely Long Beach, California, tons of Democrats from across the state and uh, a lot of presidential candidates coming Mm -hmm. out. And you and I did some training for people. Yes. At the training extravaganza. It was really cool. It was an all-day training event on Thursday of last week. Mm -hmm. And uh, describe your training that you did, Mariah. Well, thank you. I trained volunteers. So um, at at this convention, uh, the really cool thing about it is it was a great mix of – I would say Democratic Party establishment Mm -hmm. and grassroots organizers and sort of independent activists who are finding their way in in this new world that they've entered. Um, And so we talked about how to guide volunteers in the right direction, how to recruit them. Let me just say to people who are out there looking for volunteer opportunities, there are so many organizations that want you. And that would so appreciate your help. We just have to, I think, as a group, figure out the right ways to connect with people. And so many people in my workshop said it was the Swing Left website that ultimately led them to their their first volunteer gig that got them going in this. So that's a resource. But um, some, you know, uh, confessions from uh, <laughs> folks in the party that they're so small that their club or chapter or group isn't set up to be out there in the places where volunteers are looking for them. Right. Yeah. That's a really good point. And, um, and maybe we can all come together to help, uh, help those smaller organizations too, because just like we heard last week in, um, Jennifer Epps Addison's amazing interview, Mm -hmm. like when you invest in local groups and local communities like that, that's That's when you can really build lasting movements. So, um, I want people to find their local Dem club and um, absolutely and get involved there too. Yeah, and how how were were your workshops? My workshops were super fun. They were great. I I had the party workshop. I was uh, doing trainings on how to throw an effective house party. Ooh. Yeah, which sounds really fun because it is fun. You know, you're getting some friends and community members together and and having a house meeting, a house party. Mm-hmm. And it should always be fun and creative because we want to draw new people into this work, but it's also a really amazing organizing model for building scale, for building capacity. Mm-hmm. Anyone can have a few people to their home and bring them into this work in a way that's like non-threatening and um, house parties are a great way to organize. And um, I, you know what I think we should do is we should have uh, an episode centered around volunteer recruitment and mm-hmm. the training that you did. Mm-hmm. And we should have an episode centered around uh, organizing house parties and the training that I did. I think that would be fun. I think there's a lot of overlap there. And I heard a lot of creative ideas in my workshop for how people are using house parties and events to draw out more volunteers, especially in communities where there are not as many Democrats. Mm-hmm. And so they're less willing to 
come to a Democratic club meeting because they don't want their neighbors or family members right. to ID them as, as progressives or Democrats just because it's not that, you know, that's not how their community is. So they go to like an art party where they then talk about progressive issues, which is kind of cool. That's a really good, good point. Yeah. So that was awesome. And then also just being at the convention, uh, it was really smooth. You know, the media loves drama and I see a lot Mm -hmm. uh, about the media narrative around our presidential candidates and the mm -hmm. Democratic Party and the war between progressives and more centrist Democrats mm -hmm. and are these candidates going to be electable? Do we need more candidates in the race? You know, no. we don't. The answer is no. <laughs> but the overall theme of the California Democratic Convention, which is the largest Democratic Party in the country was unity it was great yeah. and uh everyone's really you know excited people have their their candidate preferences sure right and they're advocating for those candidates yeah it, everyone's not in lockstep on every candidate or issue but there is that unity and commitment to the bigger picture which is how we win 2020 yeah and most importantly like 99 out of 100 people, I'm going to be keep it real, 99 out of 100 people that I talk to are ready to let go of their first choice candidate and back whoever gets the nomination. Right. So um, that's exciting. Yeah. I have never talked to that many people before. So <laughs> good for you. Yeah. So uh, so everyone's about unity. It was really exciting. And um, and we're getting into action. It's good. We're going to be hard to hard to beat, but we need everyone to join in. That's that's the key. Great. Um, another reason for hope is a really honed in super state strategy, courtesy of Swing Left and Flippable and um, new map additions. New map additions. It's very exciting. We had 11 super states. Now there are 12. We're growing. We're growing. It's getting all grown up. Um, <laughs> should I should I tell you what the 12th one is now or should we wait till after the interview. No, no, no. You're going to tell us after the interview. Nobody will ever believe, you'll never believe what the 12th state is. We are going to tell you all about the new super state. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, I was in D.C. Sadly, uh, Mariah couldn't be there with me, but I was in D.C. for a Swing Left event. I was not invited. So That's not true. <laughs> well, let's be clear. It's sort of true. <laughs> for budgetary reasons. <laughs> we you would have gone. You could have gone. You could have stayed with my parents. <laughs> I stayed with mom and dad in D.C. <laughs> that would have been fun. Listen, we're operating on a shoestring budget here. We need all the money possible to be going to these super states. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> but anyway, I did go to, uh, we had a great event in D.C. hosted by Billy Eichner to announce our our new super states and talk about our strategy for 2020. We had a special guest there. Mm. Our, the most powerful woman in the world. The most powerful woman in the oh world. Oh my God, I'm going to start crying event. just thinking about it. Yes. <laughs> Nancy Pelosi, our Speaker of the House, was there and uh, and did a, uh, a chat with Billy Eichner and um, talked a little bit about impeachment. Broke a little impeachment news there when oh. she said that it was a straight up bribe and that that's how we should be talking about it but she's amazing woman as everybody listening to this knows and it was a really cool event i can't wait to tell you more about it after billy's interview all right sounds good so now we're going to talk about our to-do list for the week number one is keep listening to this podcast so you can find out about the latest update to the super state strategy and then go check out the super state pages and adopt a state that's right. Swingleft.org, that cool website that you were talking about earlier, now has even more resources for you to learn about these super states, dedicated uh, fundraising pages and portals for each of those states. Uh, I'm going to tell you more about it later, but uh, check that out. Sign up, donate, and or sign up to volunteer. Awesome. What's next on the to-do list? Our second to-do list item is um, Move On is sponsoring an uh, impeachment rally. Mm -hmm. It's going to happen whenever the House is moving to a formal impeachment vote. Which we don't know when that is yet. We're not sure when that is yet, but it's called the Nobody Nobody's Above the Law event. 
So if you go to front.moveon.org, you can sign up to be notified, and then everyone is going to convene at uh, representatives' offices Great. and you know big rallies at city halls and major mm-hmm. major areas like that to let our voices be heard right. and uh, let the Republican senators and um, Congress people know that the majority of Americans wants this president impeached. Yeah, if you haven't been to a rally in a while. Or never been to one. Uh, this is a, a great one to to jump on board. And if you sign up, then move on. We'll let you know um, when and where to go once that vote is scheduled. They'll send you handy texts. Oh, awesome. Yeah. I'm so excited about your interview. And I often think about, because uh, I love Billy on the street, like how would I react if Billy Eigner ran up to me and started screaming? <laughs> I don't think I would handle it well. I would be one of those people no. who's like, uh, <laughs> leave me alone. And then I would end up in all the promos. That would make for good TV, though. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> um, but he's done awesome things for um, making voting and, and voter registration accessible and interesting for, for young people in particular. Yeah. He's a super cool guy, really funny, really generous, and let's hear his interview. Billy Eichner, known for his work on The Lion King, Billy on the Street, American Horror Story, Parks and Rec, and more, is a passionate activist who's been using his voice and platform to help defeat Trump and the GOP in 2020. Thank you. <laughs> I'm trying. <laughs> Don't blame me if it doesn't happen. No, it's going to be on you. Yeah. <laughs> okay. I, I'll allow it. We all have our hopes on Billy Agner right now. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, he created Glam Up the Midterms in 2018 to increase voter turnout among young people. And after partnering with Swing Left during the midterms, you're now joining Swing Left as a senior advisor. And I couldn't be more excited to welcome you to the team. Thank you. I'm excited to be here. I should say I co-created Glam Up the Midterms with Funny or Die. Okay. Uh, just to give them the credit where it's due. Again, I want to give you credit for everything. Credit and yeah. blame. Yeah. So I'll, I mean, I'll gladly take it, but I do like my friends at Funny or Die. So, so uh, we're here. There, we have an event tonight, the uh, It's Not Too Late show that you're hosting mm-hmm. with a lot of members of Congress, including Speaker Pelosi. Yeah. And it's great to catch up with you in D.C. Yeah. Feels very political, very official. It feels very <laughs> legit. Yes. Right. What's your story of political activism? When did you start really using your voice as an activist? Well, truthfully, I always thought about what was in the news, but I'll be completely honest and say I wasn't very active beyond voting and staying up to date and conversations with my friends. Do right. You know what I mean? And uh, in your 20s, especially at that era, I feel that young people now, maybe because of social media, maybe because of the, just the world we live in and Trump and all of that, I feel like young people are more engaged now. And I, I hear it's the most politically active young generation we've ever had more volunteers than ever before yeah. um and we give millennials a lot of shit but honestly it's a cliche they actually are extremely politically active maybe they're alienated by parts of the system as well now exists. we're giving boomers the shit right yeah yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> okay boomer and all of that but but they're actually from what i understand the generations that's that's volunteered most and so mm. Back in my day, not to sound like a grumpy old man, you know, <laughs> I I didn't I wasn't that active. I cared and I thought about things and I talked a lot, but as always, but I wasn't that active. And what really honestly what got me going is, you know, as I got older, I did get into gay rights more. I'm gay and I, obviously that's an issue that means a lot to me. So yes, I would go to an occasional march for various gay rights or marriage equality or whatever we were marching for. <laughs> um, but Outside of that, not so much. And then, honestly, it was Trump getting elected, as it yeah. was for a lot of people. The thing for me, that really, too. Yeah, yeah. The thing for so many people, the thing that made me wake up and just feel this need to do something. And at that point, I was already a moderately successful actor with a following on social media of a few million people and all that. And so I thought, how do I use my platform? Because... It just, I needed to do something. You know, some people always ask actors, like, were you nervous about getting politically involved? No, I wasn't nervous at all. I I mean, you can't do enough. I always feel like I'm not doing enough because as much as you do, it's never enough. Not to sound like some martyr or like. No, but 
You're, I mean, you're right. That's something that's always interesting to me mm-hmm. is, um, I mean, we talk about our circle of influence. Mm-hmm. Like everyone has a circle of influence. Right. They have people that they can reach right. in their own communities, whether it's just a handful of friends. Mm-hmm. But when you are fortunate enough mm-hmm. to reach a level of influence where you have a platform like yours, mm-hmm. you know, people make a choice on whether or not they want to use that in yeah. this way. And you yeah. really... You really have, and I appreciate that so much. And Thanks. you know, I'm sure there's blowback from that that not everyone really enjoys. Lots of trolls for yeah. doing your patriotic duty to fight fascism. It's, yeah, I mean, it's <laughs> funny. I get a little bit of that. I'm sure other people get it worse than I do. I also, I think something that I find uh, turns actors and performers or anyone who's tried to make it in show business into good political activists, so to speak, is that we've already developed a thick skin over the years. That's a great point. Because there's been so much rejection and so many people telling us, no, sit down, you're not getting this job, there's someone better than you, why do you belong here, you're not good enough, all that actor-y stuff that you have to deal with as you're climbing the ladder in show business. So, And for me personally, my big break really came with Billy on the Street, which which was a proper TV show, but which was mainly known uh, until recently when I got on Netflix, but it was mainly known for its for its viral videos. Right. And so that meant I came up via YouTube and via Facebook and Twitter. So by the time I got politically active, I mean, you'll you won't find meaner people than people who like write <laughs> YouTube comments. That so, is so fair. So, so by the time I became more politically outspoken, you could say anything to me. I have heard it all over the years. So <laughs> I had so much practice in just learning to have a thick skin and honestly laugh off haters and ignorant people and just do my thing. And Billy on the street is freaking amazing. Thank by the you. way, Thank we, you. we everyone in my orbit. Absolutely loves it. Thank you. And we're thrilled that it's on Netflix, so we get to stream it all the time. Yes. And that and the rejection and all that kind of mm-hmm. sets you up to be an expert canvasser with Swing Left, too, <laughs> didn't it? Yeah, that's actually <laughs> very true. I mean, you have a, a natural gift, obviously, for talking to strangers and doing that. Um, yes. Last cycle, you did some canvassing for Swing Left. Was that mm-hmm. the first time you'd knocked on doors for a political campaign? That was the first time I'd knocked on doors. Um, what was that experience like? Honestly, it was great. And on, it was that day, uh, my uh, assistant and producer and Billy on the Street, Sierra, sitting right here. Hi, Sierra. Hi, Sierra. <laughs> we went canvassing together in New Jersey. And that was my first time working with Swing Left. You know, we'd been communicating about ways to work together. But that was the day, you know, we were in New York. We took the train out or the bus out to Jersey. We went wherever Swing Left told us to go on a Saturday or Sunday morning. Right. And we, they just made it so easy, you know, and it's something you can do with your friends. It's they sort of created this very low barrier for getting involved, you know, and that's a really, really impactful thing that Swing Left has done. And when after I canvassed that day, I said to Sierra, you know, looking towards 2020, because I started my own um, campaign uh, in 2018 to glam register up the, voters. Glam called, up the midterms. Yeah, with Funny or Die called Glam Up the Midterms, like we mentioned. And it was very challenging. You know, it's not my full-time job. And <laughs> and it's just, you need a lot of infrastructure and you need a lot of money to really have an impactful campaign like that. Right. And and I'm we we were effective and I got I was flooded with messages on election day 2018 of photos of of people young people going to vote for the first time. Amazing. People sending me photos. I was really moved. Like genuinely, it's one of the greatest things I've ever done. As great as Glam Up the Midterms was, when I saw when I went to volunteer and canvas with Swing Left, I saw that you guys had this whole infrastructure already built and that I was already thinking, you know what, I think in, in 2020, instead of trying to get my own little thing off the ground, what if we join forces? And that's why I've come on board. Well, first of all, the, the work that you're doing with millennials, with younger voters and stuff, with Glam Up the Midterms, mm-hmm. I was talking to your producer earlier when yeah. we had lunch. Um, there's, I don't know if you're aware of this stat if you can get someone to vote the first opportunity they have to be registered young people like 18 they're registered mm-hmm. and get them to vote in their first two elections mm-hmm. uh they will stay voters and stay engaged for the rest of their life wow that if, makes sense if you don't get them it's incredibly difficult to get them to participate mm-hmm. until they're 30 wow right. you know that makes perfect sense and and why I started Glam Up the Midterms, literally because Trump won and I knew the midterms were coming and 
I just found myself getting angrier and angrier on Twitter and angrier with my friends and feeling hopeless and just angry. And I do think there is some value in getting angry on Twitter because anger can be a very galvanizing force. Um, however, just to be angry and do nothing is pointless. Follow that anger up with action. Exactly. And so... I called up my friend Mike Farah, the CEO of Funny or Die. Funny or Die, of course, the production company started by Will Ferrell, Mm -hmm. which has been producing Billy on the Street, among many other things, for many years. And so I was very close with them. And they had worked with the Obamas on various videos and, you know, during the Obama years. And they had done some political things over the years. So I called Funny or Die and I said, I really want you guys to join forces with me. We have to do something that feels proactive. And... I was looking at the statistics about young people voting, and it was very dire. Right. You know, especially for midterms. I mean, people don't even vote in the presidential election. Adults don't vote. You know, 50% of people don't vote, and uh, even in the presidential election. And so in the midterms, the statistics were really depressing. And I knew that if young people did vote, they most would vote left you know most would help swing these districts and so we that's why we started glam we called it glam up the midterms because the midterms literally sound like homework like a boring (laughs) assignment so we figured we do glam it up and make it exciting we did tons of live events all over we went to nevada we went i went to Detroit with Wanda Sykes and Blake Griffin, went to San Diego with Will Ferrell, uh, went to New Jersey, canvassed with you guys, went to Arizona, did a uh, big social media campaign with Mandy Moore and Kumail Nanjiani and Randall Park. And we just did as much as we could do in a small amount of time. And again, our resources were very limited, but... You know, social media is very powerful in that way, even with limited resources. I kept saying, you know, whether you have two followers or whether you have two million followers like me, 2.2, who's kidding, Um, (laughs) or you're Taylor Swift, who started to get a vocal around that time with hundreds of millions of followers, like everyone really can make an impact. And it sounds cheesy, but A, it's true. And B, the one thing I will guarantee you is that even if you, you know, we went canvassing in New Jersey, it was a... Uh, kind of strangely beautiful winter day before election day in Jersey. So a lot of people weren't home, but Mm. we just kept going and knocking on doors. And even if you speak to five people, 10 people, 30 people that day and just remind them to vote, uh, you feel really good about yourself. You feel like you contributed and then you can go out that night and party guilt free and know that you did something, you know, good with your time that day and productive instead of just being angry or just shrugging it off and saying, well, nothing I can do will ever change anything. Yeah, what can I do? So I'm just right. going to like, you know, stay home and, you know, watch Billy on the Street on Netflix, which I highly recommend. Which is a good alternative. After you canvas. Okay, after you canvas. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You know, you're echoing, we had Catherine Hahn on the podcast. Oh, I love her. She's so awesome. Yes. And she said the same thing. Like we talk about action being the best antidote for anxiety and, and how good it feels to be out there doing that. Mm-hmm. And she also, was at the American Music Awards with, with you yes. when you went off script a I little did. bit and yeah. made an impassioned plea. That was right in the right a few weeks before the midterms. Taylor Swift told you to. And go vote right now. I knew that a lot of young people were watching the American Music Awards. You know, that's who watches it. And I watched it as a kid and as a teenager. And I just knew that I had to take advantage of the moment. And I knew if I ran it by the producers, they would say, no, this is not political. <laughs> right. And my, me- my message was, you know, nonpartisan. It was just ev- everyone should vote. If you care about the issues, vote. But I knew that still wouldn't fly. But I had to do it. And the only person I told about it in advance was Catherine Hahn because we were presenting together. So I didn't right. want to put her in an awkward position. So about an hour before... We were talking about our like witty banter we were supposed to make, and I told her what I wanted to do, and yet she said, "Yes, please do that." Uh, and yeah. it was great, and the audience just erupted in applause. All these young people started applauding, and the clip went viral. And I was really, really, really proud and glad that I did it. 
It was amazing. And again, thank you for using the opportunity to um, to do that. You're right. The midterms, uh, I registered a voter, young voter, by the way, mm-hmm. um, and it was the first time she had ever registered. And I said, this is so exciting. Okay, you can now, mm-hmm. you're a voter now. So promise me you're going to vote in the midterms. And she literally said to me, oh, I'm out of school. I don't take tests anymore. Right. No, I know. <laughs> and, you know, people just don't, they just don't know. You can blame the educational system. You can blame parents. You can blame the I blame students everybody. themselves. I mean, it doesn't even matter. I blame like, you. I'm blaming you for everything you know, right you now. You can blame me. And I, during, <laughs> we, when we would do events during glam up, the, glam up the Midterms, one thing I would always say is, look, I didn't always vote in my 20s. I will admit that. And I mm. think that's true for I well, the statistics yeah. show that that's true for the vast majority of people. And I, I went to Northwestern fancy schools and like <laughs> you know, and uh, kept up with the news and knew when elections were happening. I'm not someone who was like totally in the dark. I knew when election day was, but I some years I voted and some years I didn't. So I think we all have to acknowledge that and and pre- not you know try to pretend that's not true and that we've all been so perfect and politically active. You know. There's a time in your life sometimes that you are more sort of focused on yourself and your friends and yeah. getting your career off the ground in your 20s and early 30s. And that's okay, 30s. too. And that's fine. But I think what we're realizing now, we're seeing with Trump the consequences of not voting. It's as simple as that. And not only not voting, not participating and volunteering, because it's not enough to vote. At this point, right, because it's not enough, especially, you know, uh, we can talk about the Electoral College and how unfair it is, but it's going to exist, certainly going to exist in 2020. It's not changing before that. And we're reliant on swing voters in swing states. If you're in California or New York or one of these states like me, that's definitely going to go blue. You know, even if people don't love who the candidate is and your candidate lost the primary, you're going to go vote for the Democrat. Mm-hmm. That, And we need you to do that. Mm-hmm. But that's really not enough. There are ways to participate within these swing states. And unfortunately, it does come down to these swing voters and swing states who probably maybe don't think like you You know, like Mm -hmm. like me, a gay man in West Hollywood or Manhattan, you know, like we might not see eye to eye on who our favorite Democratic candidate is. But when push comes to shove, whoever that turns out to be, there are ways to help. Even if you don't live in that battleground state, quote unquote, there are ways to help. No one's expecting everyone to get on a plane and go canvassing in in, in Michigan if you can't afford to do that. But there are ways to help on social media. They're sending postcards. There's all different kinds of ways to help. Registering voters. Registering voters. All of it. And that's why Swing Left is so great, because it literally just in a very simple way, lets you know how to do all of that. Yeah. Uh, thank you for, for that, because um, all the anger and vitriol and that you described on Twitter and watching the news and pulling your hair out and thinking, mm-hmm. what can I do? It's really simple. Like this mm-hmm. podcast is called How We Win. Right. And spoiler alert, we win when we all get involved and step up and do it. Right. It's, exactly. that, it's that simple. We have the numbers. Mm-hmm. We just need people to show up and yeah. take action. There are so many more Democrats than Republicans in the country, <laughs> you know, <laughs> that's kind of undisputed. Right. Um, now we we tend to like to live amongst ourselves. And so we all live in the same <laughs> places, which always vote blue. And, you know, I, that's I, changing. I, We're seeing some. That's uh, true. We just saw Virginia uh, is now. Yeah, now Virginia is now blue. Like a solid it's blue. blue state. And that was not true when I was growing up. Mm-hmm. But, but what I'm look, I, I'm I'm. To blame, I guess you could say, too. You know, I, no, I go, I'm going to stop blaming you. I've, I, I I've go, gone the other way on that. <laughs> I go back and forth between very blue areas, you know, like L.A. and New York. Mm-hmm. Um, but we can't just run around L.A. and New York or Chicago or San Francisco or wherever you are and say, well, I did my part and I live in a liberal place and I'm just going to stay here and be in my bubble. But you're not you don't reflect the world. You know, you don't reflect the country and it's not enough to just sit back in one of those blue dots and say, well, I did my part. Not for 2020, because it doesn't come down to California or New York City. You know, it comes down again to this handful of states and we can argue until the end of time whether that's fair or not. 
Right. I don't think it is, but that's the way it is. I and agree. that's we reality. Don't have to argue. Yeah. And so let's get out there and try to get to those people in those states in a respectful way, in any way that we can, and encourage them to vote for the right person. So you're joining the Swing Left family. Yes. What are your plans for 2020? Oh, boy. My plans for 2020. <laughs> what are you going to do? I, Starting now. Do <laughs> <laughs> you have the event tonight? <laughs> tonight is my first official event for Swing Left. Um, mm-hmm. We're doing an event, a little presentation or show, whatever you want to call it. I'm basically interviewing here in D.C. Uh, for an invited audience of... Uh, politically oriented people here in D.C. We're trying to educate people on what Swing Left did in 2018 and what we want to do in 2020. I'm interviewing the Speaker of the House, Nancy Mm -hmm. Pelosi, who somehow is finding time in the middle of impeaching the president (laughs) to come and talk to me for 15 minutes. She's got a little spare time, right? Yeah, I got to appreciate that. Downtime, you got to eat. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) She should, Nancy Pelosi, if you're coming tonight, I know how strapped you are for time. Bring a salad, bring (laughs) whatever you want to eat. Feel free to just eat on stage We'll have snacks there yeah, exactly. <laughs> I'm, don't be, it's fine. I Vitamins. can handle it. So this is my first event. And in 2020, you know, I learned a lot doing Glam Up the Midterms about what's effective and how I'm best used. Mm-hmm. And I hope I'm, I'm, I'm going to lean on Swing Left also in combination with what I learned to tell me what to do. And so I'm just like everyone else out there listening. I'm relying on Swing Left to tell me where to go and what to do because Swing Left has the info. They have the metrics. They know where we need to go. They know where we're lacking in presence or which candidates need more support than others or more money than others or whatever it is. So I'm going to follow Swing Left's lead. Uh, What I think that will mean is doing, you know, events uh, like we're doing tonight in D.C. Mm-hmm. and getting out to voters and really being on the ground. Not, I mean, there will be social media, too, and that's a big part of my platform. And I have to say it is effective. You it know? is. It just is. That's the way. Especially with two over 2.2 million followers. Yeah. <laughs> and so and a lot of those are young people. And so it is effective to do various things on social media to get people's attention. But also, I hope to be on the ground as much as I can, because I really think it's important to get out there and speak to people face to face and canvas and you know i cannot express enough how simple and actually fun swing left makes it to canvas it's super easy and it's really important we should try a different canvassing because we have different uh, like we have persuasion canvassing early mm-hmm. in, in the campaign then we have our turnout conversations we have during gotv mm-hmm. weekend i want to see what like a billy on the street canvas looks like where you just that no, pound it. on doors and scream <laughs> yeah. at people. Well, I don't want to be abusive. <laughs> I don't think it's probably not effective. Um, it's a little different when unless you, they're fans, they'll be yeah, mad and they're, they're fans, like, oh, they'll be excited. Yeah. Oh, cool! Look who um, yelled at me. <laughs> yes, exactly. Look, I'll do what it takes. I won't yell at you unless you want me to. If you want me, I get all kinds of weird tweets now. Like, will you, will you come to my son's bar mitzvah and scream at him? I mean, these are. I get very odd requests. I'm not even kidding. There's a lot of. This happens all the time. Will you come to our wedding and scream at us? Uh, I'm like, how much? Uh, no, <laughs> exactly. but, um, that would be amazing. <laughs> like everything's negotiable. No. All right. So one last question, and I sure. know you have to get ready for the event. Yeah. Um, but we ask everybody this: uh, What gives you the most hope for 2020? That is an interesting question. Um, I would say that what gives me hope is the idea that we will wake up and Trump will not be president and Think of the black cloud that will be lifted, you know, on that day, which is not to say that problems will go away or all the system, all the systemic issues and economic issues we deal with will magically disappear. Of course, they won't. But I feel like with Trump, there's just this ugly, violent, black, dark cloud that hovers over everything since he won, you know, even when you're out with your friends trying to forget and have a good time, if your mind drifts there, you're mm. like, Jesus fucking Christ, what did this asshole say today or what did he do today? And, you know, it, it, what he does and says really does have a really horrible impact. And I really do feel if he gets a second term, it could genuinely be catastrophic because uh, thinking about what Trump and his administration can do when they're not even worried about reelection is really frightening. And I hope that's enough to inspire people to get involved. I hope so, too. I really appreciate, uh, again, you using your voice. I I know that um, a lot of people don't 
don't do it, and I don't, you know, I, I respect people's privacy and their choices and, I don't. and how they get involved. <laughs> you don't. But this this feel this is different for all the reasons that you just said. Yeah. This is a time that we um, need to make our voices heard. We need to get into action. Otherwise, we're complicit in what's going on. Yeah, and if you're just sitting back listening to this podcast, you know, I listen to podcasts, you're in your car, you're getting dressed, you're going to bed, and you're like, oh, that was a nice podcast. Now I'm going to go do my other things I have to do. That's not enough. Right. Like, don't just listen to the podcast. Go to Swing Left. Go to the website. Get your friends together and go canvassing. Get involved in whatever way you feel comfortable with, but get involved. Because if you're not going to get involved now to try to defeat this guy, (laughs) then I don't know. You need to have a conversation with yourself about what your priorities are. So uh, that's my message. Awesome. Billy, thank you so much for doing this. Thank you, guys. So you had a little tease for us earlier in the episode that you were going to reveal something new. Our new super state is... Iowa. Yeah, they never would have guessed Iowa. Who would think that Iowa would be an important presidential year super state? Yeah. Um, so first explain what the super state strategy is for Swing Left. Thank you. So, right. So we now have 12 super states. And these are states that have uh, a combination of uh, presidential implications. It's an important presidential state. Mm-hmm. Senate implications, because mm-hmm. we all know how important it is that we take back the Senate. Right. And then local legislatures that will have an effect on gerrymandering. Mm-hmm where if we win back the majority in those local legislatures, then we can, you know, pre-census, draw fair lines and ensure a decade of progressive victories. That's really, really important. The local level stuff is is what people don't think about, especially in a presidential right. year, especially when impeachment's going on and all this shiny stuff. So, right. so Iowa has all three. So some of our states have maybe just like a Senate race or a local legislature and presidential. Iowa has presidential, of course. It's important right. um, that we get those electoral votes. Joni Ernst is looking vulnerable mm-hmm. in that seat. It would be great to the get her out of there. Senator, yeah. The current senator. And we just need four seats to flip the Iowa State House. Ooh, so close. Uh, we did really well in, in 2018, also gaining seats. Mm-hmm. Um, so we could draw fair lines in that state. So exciting. We have another state to play in. Yeah. So that means that people's energy volunteering dollars need to be focused on these 12 super states to have the biggest impact. And now a lot of that focus can can go to Iowa. Exactly. And look, you know, we want to work everywhere. We want to compete everywhere. Right. Um, the simple fact is we don't have unlimited resources. Mm-hmm. There's lots of volunteers out there. Hopefully everyone listening to this podcast is going to step up and volunteer because we need you. But even with that, we just don't have enough to um, put all of our resources in all of the places. So we have to be strategic about you know where we do it. And one thing that Virginia taught us, which was really great to see, is that our our targeting has been effective. The races that we targeted in Virginia were, in, in many cases, won by less than a few thousand votes. Right. So that's that's really what we're looking at. We're looking at areas where if you're going to volunteer, if you're going to put some money in, you know it's going to go to a tight race where you're really going to have an impact. Yeah, and I think that what we're seeing in Virginia, what we saw in Kentucky, what we saw this past weekend in Louisiana was when we put our resources in these places that uh, could go either way, we're seeing results now. And so we have the momentum. Let's keep let's keep that going. Yep. Exactly. So go to swingleft.org and um, we have these brand new super state pages Mm -hmm. that describe the strategy for that specific super state and some ways that you can help win right now. We also have a really cool super state fund Mm -hmm. set up for every single of our 12 super states. You can donate to the entire state and that money will get spent where it is needed the most. So it'll be split between the Senate race, it'll be split to the local legislatures, and it will also be divvied out when the candidates need them the most. Um, This strategy is so smart because it makes sure that your time and money aren't 
wasted on something that feels maybe feels good but won't necessarily move the needle that's a good point we also don't get involved in the primaries which is why we do these state specific fund and not candidate specific fund Mm. because while there's some great candidates that we're excited to support once they make it through the primary uh, this way you know that that money that you're donating now will be held in that escrow and given to the dim to fight the republican that we're trying to flip in that seat once the local voters have Decided who their candidate is. Exactly. Right. Okay. Awesome. Well, I I am looking at the page right now. It looks awesome. Great job to the Swing Left um, team that came up with this. This is so easy to use. And and I can't wait to decide which states I'm going to adopt. Adopt some states, everybody. The work needs to start now. If you haven't volunteered yet, if you haven't donated yet, do it. I think I might brave the cold and go to Iowa. Let's do it. I'm scared. You made me go to Virginia. Lies. You sit on a throne of lies. And we're going to go to Iowa. We're going to record this podcast live from Iowa while, you know, like we'll take a break from canvassing. We'll find someone who will let us in their home and then we'll just set up our mics and do it in their living room. Oh, if you're a listener and you live in (laughs) Iowa, can we come hang out with you? Let us know. We're going to canvas and record a podcast in your home. Yeah. uh, Podcast at Swing Left. Dot org. You could be featured <laughs> on this very podcast. <laughs> we'll do that. If someone actually sends an email from Iowa saying, come record in my living room, we'll do it. Totally down. Thank you for joining us today and for stepping up and taking action. This is how we win. We want to hear from you and we want to hear your story. Send us a note or even record yourself and email it to podcast at swingleft.org, like Mariah said earlier. (laughs) Thank you to all of our subscribers, including the people whose phones I took and then I subscribe them to the podcast. Do you do that? I do that. I do that too. Um, (laughs) If if you're not near me and Steve for us to do this for you, uh, (laughs) please do it yourself. Um, Subscribe wherever you get your podcast and be sure to rate us on Apple. Share us with your friends and family and help us build this megaphone for the resistance Use the hashtag HowWeWin2020. Share our page at swingleft.org podcast. And as always, sign up to volunteer. We really appreciate you being here with us and are excited to bring you more from the field next Wednesday. Question mark. (laughs) Okay, so it's a holiday next Wednesday, but we might have a pod for you. If we don't, then go back and listen to the old ones. You've got some catching up to do. Do it. Catch up. Bye. W.